Our goal is simple, to help you achieve the dream and vision you first had when you thought about starting a business. We're here to make growing your business less complicated. There are building blocks to build a sustainable business. We promise to seek them out and address them all. The Better Your Business Show starts now. And welcome to the Better Your Business Show. Here we discuss your most important business challenges and provide you with practical solutions to help you better your business. Absolutely, absolutely. So, if you're, a, uh, we all have started out on our journeys of entrepreneurialism. Uh, we're overachievers. We want to make sure that we have something solid in the ground and we can pass on for generations and have a successful, happy, fulfilled life. Um, so we have the driving ambition. What we may not have all the time is a step-by-step -step, uh, roadmap towards success. And so we invite guests through the last season and for next season as well to come in to go through those bite-sized steps to make sure that you can realize your dreams. Absolutely. And as Tehran was saying, we, we all start off our business without an instruction manual. And having a GPS when you're starting at point A trying to get to point B is definitely relevant. And without them, Many times we find ourselves falling off course or running into roadblocks. And that's why we built the Better Your Business Show so that we can break down these building blocks into bite-sized pieces so that you can walk away with actionable steps to improve your business today. Yes, so whether you are joining us live or watching the replay, make sure you take your free business assessment at pillar5.com and join us live in our virtual studio where we can address your comments and concerns throughout the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. So last show, we spoke on the five pillars, but we didn't get to finish. Isn't that right? We have to we have some more to go into. For <laughs> yeah. Yes, <laughs> we made it about halfway through. So this morning, yes, we're going to be going, you know, re going over that and going back through the five pillars. But I do want to take a moment to just talk about you guys for a minute because I can. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's exciting to me, right? Obviously, just two of my favorite people on the planet, my uh, business partners here at the Better Your Business Show. And I'm thrilled that we're diving deep on this subject because I think that's one thing we haven't done enough of on the show. And also your background, why the software was started. I love your story. I know. So, Carlton, well, you both had uh, careers where you were helping businesses with financing, right? And so you were seeing the challenges that most businesses were having, and it wasn't about the money which had you guys create the software and help put systems in place. And so Carlton, I don't know if you want to kind of get us started, but I'd, I just loved hearing the background of, of how this all evolved because so many of us do think as entrepreneurs, fail forward, you know, figure it out, throw the macaroni noodle against the wall, hope that it sticks. And now you guys have put the system together that's literally paint by number. Anyone can go in, use the software, see what they're at in business and see where they need to shift. Right. So I'd love to hear just a little bit more background on how all this got started with you and Tehran and, you know, your history. I know you guys have been friends forever, partners in crime. <laughs> uh, thank you, Natalie. Absolutely. Uh, and first, obviously, I want to give a shout out to Mo Rock and the Los Angeles Tribune for allowing us to put this show together. They're in collaboration. So if you're checking this out on YouTube or Facebook and you want to catch a replay, you can go to the Los Angeles Tribune on Roku TV and you can watch more of the episodes. Uh, and get more behind the scenes information as well. 
Um, Natalie, to your to a point, yeah, we we were both um, financial consultants or sales consultants for a financial company. Um, we were kind of just figuring out our own world, you know, how we were going to generate income for ourselves. And we were doing all these different, we, we were the typical uh, <laughs> serialpreneur, if you want to call it that, you know, we were jumping from task to task and product to product, service to service to just generate revenue. Um, and we realized that wasn't very helpful, but we, we had landed on something really great uh, where we can help small business owners build funding, uh, build their credit, get funding and move on through their business. Um, and in this process, it was really technical. And, it, and we'll talk about a lot of this in the credit section. Um, small business owners needing to build business credit. There's so many components to that. And I hear so many people talking about it on YouTube and on Facebook, um, all these so-called gurus um, with all these steps on how to go get funding or go get credit. Um, there's so many caveats to all of that. And by no means am I saying no one shouldn't do that. But before you do that, you should have all of the all of the ducks in a row for your business first. Um, having your business foundated before you start looking for finances is, is important because if not, if there's holes in your business, that's where the money's going. It's going to go right into those holes and it's going to fall right out of the bottom of the business. And it's going to seem like two months later that you didn't get any funding at all. Um, so that leads to this story, Natalie. I was outside. I was actually cleaning my pool and... One of my clients called and, you know, said, Carl, I borrowed, you know, X, Y, Z amount of money, you know, nine months ago or so. I don't know how to pay it back. And I said, what, what do you mean? Where's your board of directors? Where's your advisors? Where's your executive team? Where, where's your team around you? And he said, I don't have one. And, and immediately I felt like it was my fault that I didn't ask that question to start with. Um, so obviously I had to take responsibility of myself and I ran to Tehran, my partner in crime, as you say. Um, and we talked about it and we said, okay, let's go back to the financial company because we knew the CEO personally. Um, and we started talking with him about, listen, we're, we're, we're helping people get funding, but they don't know what to do with it. And we, we have to make sure that they're stable before they even get funding because having good credit and getting funding is one thing. Getting funding and using it the right way and appropriating it into your business to make sure your business grows is a whole nother ball of wax. And that program didn't teach that part. So we wanted to create and implement that. And we literally were going to build it and just kind of turn it over to them because they were already in the market. They were already solved. They were already dealing with customers who was having a problem, but they completely didn't want to touch it. They just felt like that wasn't their business model. Their business model was simply focused on getting funding, making a percentage off the funding and move on to the next client. You know, in fact, one of the words that came out of his mouth was stop answering those calls. Um, and I, and I, and I'm going to speak for Tehran right now where, because I remember that call very clearly, Tehran was immediately offended. Um, and when we got off that call, he was like, I'm done. I, I, I don't want to be a part of that. Um, cause that's not what we got in the business for. Um, and so I agreed, but I stuck around a little bit longer with the organization trying to really figure out how I can convince them, but there was no convincing them. So we just spent, we, we stopped working for other people um, uh, and consulting other companies. And we just focused on solving this one problem. And as we dug down this rabbit hole, we realized no one was, you know, uh, a niche down focused on this particular aspect of a business problem. Um, you know, everyone had answers and solutions and their own expertise, but no one wanted to solve the problem of why are 
86% of businesses are generating less than $250,000. Why 74% of businesses failing? Why? Why is this happening? And no one wanted to answer that. I'm sorry, it's 84.6% of businesses generating less than 250,000, 76% of businesses failing. Um, so we want to help businesses thrive. And that's what took us down the rabbit hole of building our company out. Yeah. Well, and I don't, obviously that's not, um, that's very typical in the financial services industry, unfortunately. Right. And so, you know, when I hear that, I hear, well, we don't really want to provide a solution because if I give a solution, well, who am I going to lend money to? How am I going to make interest? How am I going to stay in business? Right. Where you guys were completely coming from a different mindset and uh, grateful that you are choosing to stand for people and help them have sustainable businesses too. Right. And kind of right. take that leap of faith and jump into the deep end of the pool. Right. right. <laughs> Great software of all things. <laughs> yeah. And part of that, Natalie, um, and, and, and I got to say that I'm shocked at this. Um, when we were dealing with the clients who were getting the funding and we started talking about sustainability to them, they were interested because they were at that uh, building block, if you will. They, they were facing that problem. But when we talk to many business owners or share information, I mean, just kind of like the show, um, many business owners, I, I think you said it really well last week and Tehran made, made a comment of, they know what they know and they double down on what they know and they tend to neglect the things that they don't know. Um, so when you have a conversation about building a sustainable company and helping your business to thrive, unfortunately, many business owners that we've spoken to, and I'm not quantifying them in any way, so many doesn't mean more than 50% or less than 50%, I'm just saying many to my liking personally. Many you know, find themselves in a business and say, well, that doesn't matter to me. I don't I don't care about sustainability. I, that's not my focus right now. My focus is trying to generate revenue. And it almost sounds like we're having the same conversation we had with the founder of that financial institution who was like, my focus is money. That's not my concern. I would never expect a business owner to say, I don't care about sustainability or the path to my survival and, and thriving in my business. But they do. They they I guess they don't realize the importance of it because it was never it was never taught you know there's no class to be an entrepreneur there's no class to be a business coach or consultant um i mean they have all these courses of course that you can take but they don't go through the five pillars of a business and i think without having the five pillars of a business it is impossible to grow a sustainable company independently and by yourself are businesses doing it sure there's some businesses that are out there doing a good job of it um they get lucky right and they have a team who've already experienced it, and they may not identify them as five pillars, but they're working on those things. But then you have the majority of these businesses, we're talking about 32 million businesses, 28.3 million of those businesses are facing difficulty every day. And they don't wanna hear the conversation on sustainability. They don't wanna care what life cycle stages they're in. They don't care about the roadmap. They'll figure it out. As they always say, I'll figure it out. Um, and so they accept failure as a process or reason, <laughs> let me, someone said it very clearly. People put failure before success because they make it, a, they anticipate a reason to fail. So when they fail, they say, well, it was destined for me to fail. All businesses fail, you know? So they kind of make the excuse before it happens. And my motto and our motto is you don't have to fail to succeed. You do not have to fail to succeed. If you have a, 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 the roadmap to success, would you would you drive off that map and go somewhere else? I don't ever see NASCAR racers going around a track 
and decide to shortcut through the through the pit. You know, it just doesn't happen. They don't cut across the field because that's not the track. That's not the track. And business owners do that. You know, rather than go around the circle they're supposed to go around, they want to cut off the track because it looks good over there on TikTok or wherever they are. And then they get distracted and they lose focus of what they're doing. Yeah, so true. It's so true. It was interesting. I was speaking with a financial advisor uh, last week, and part of what they do is they help uh, people sell their businesses. And something that he was sharing with me is when he goes and sits down with them, it takes him about four years for the process of them to sell their business. Why does it take four years? Because the infrastructure is not there. Everything that you guys are talking about hasn't been put in place. So when it goes time for them to sell their business, there's no value on the business, right? There's all these different things that need to be put in place so that they're able to do that. Hi, Natalie. And so um, it was amazing to me. He's like, well, you know, Natalie, when you sit down with the business, it's four years to sell. And I thought, well, no, really, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. And that's what I love is Pillar 5 is going in and it's creating a new paradigm for businesses, right? That we don't have to fail forward. Here's the roadmap. Follow it, paint by number and follow the plan and you'll be successful. And the foundation, the strength of the business really is everything. And I love Carlton, you talked about that. A lot of times we're so focused on the money and it's not about the money, right? It's really about having that sustainable business because as soon as we have that wave crash or whatever, it's, our business is going to be knocked down. It's gone if we don't have that solid foundation. So I love it. That's what gets me so excited about the software. <laughs> Tell you no what, emotions involved. It's black and white. Just do what you're supposed to do. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I love the way Natalie gets excited or anybody for that matter gets excited at the same. And again, that's what made us really turn that light switch on when we went through that re realization that business owners were not looking at the sustainability of it. Um, the the program that we were actually doing the sales consultant for, that company wasn't worrying about the sustainability of it. And when no one was worried about it, it's like, well, wait a minute. There's a direct correlation with that and this huge number of failing, failing businesses for the last 30 years. So it was like presented to us like a blue ocean. It was like, wait a minute, nobody's addressing this issue. Nobody's addressing this issue. When we start to bring it up as far in, so now, that entrepreneurial, those those wheels start moving. It's like, wait a minute, we might have something, you know, that's not just a good business thing or, you know, feasible and, you know, lucrative, but a game changer, something that can really change the process of a person coming out of school, uh, coming out of college, being in the middle life, middle aged, being an entrepreneur for 30 years, 40 years. We could literally change the trajectory of people's paths with their goals just by providing a step-by-step -step blueprint. But I would like to say too, in light of that process, we found that it's difficult for people to make that switch because they've been programmed to fail in order to succeed. Um, failing forward, it's, it's so anticipated that to say, listen, just stop, sit down, breathe, meditate through this. And when you open your eyes again, you'll be in another uh, life cycle stage of your business. A hustling entrepreneur's mentality is very difficult to sit down. I want to do something just because there's time in the day. And there's so many things to do, but there's a sequence and a time for each and every one. So it's still a process, even though we've made the software, because it's always like Sharon Lecter said in the first show, the mindset. Once you have the information, now you have the, have the mindset to be able to apply it effectively. So they say knowledge is power. I disagree. Accurate knowledge 
when applied is power. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I know uh, going over the five pillars we have, number one is right management. Infrastructure. Uh, infrastructure. We have management. We have marketing. We talked a lot about those on the previous show. So today I know we're going to be digging into finance and credit more and how that uh, relates with the, the Pillar 5 software. Yeah. So you think? Um, yeah, I mean, finance, finance is what got us into it again. Um, so that part was easy. It was kind of not, I'm not going to say easy, but it was like the beginning of the build out because we did it already. Um, so it's very, very crucial. It's critical that, again, like starting with the end in mind, understanding the finances, where the finances are going to come from, that's going to be generated by the company, what are the projections, what are the other resources to obtain financing, how long can it last? So many other areas other than product, service, and market. You know, so, um, yeah, the financing was just like all the other pillars. It was something that once we really took a deep dive inside of it, we actually felt good. I know I felt good. I know Carlton did too. Knowing, man, when somebody gets this aha moment, they'll never look at business or their business or their industry again the same or business development the same and even financing the same. You know, when I when when, when we talk about finance, it's such a huge component of a business. Obviously, there's Natalie, you're a financial expert and there's financial experts all over the world. Right. Um, and, and just like marketing, there's a niche for each component of that. There are some people who specialize in funding, venture capital, you know, angel investors. There's some people who focus on being able to get your books together and making sure that your accounting is right. And, you know, and that you're following the right taxes and that you're registered the right way and that you're getting the best tax credits. Like there's so many components. And there's something that I want to make sure that everybody understands who's listening is that. Tehran and I do not propose to be experts in all five pillars by no means. What we understand is that there's a macro level to everything. It's like a high level look um, at, at what's going on. It's easy for per se, well, yeah, my business needs marketing. Okay, but where, what, how, why, how does it apply to your industry in your market base, right? That gets very specific. And that's where the coaches and consultants come in. They are so important. By no means did we build a product to alleviate coaching, to alleviate uh, consultants. We actually build the product so that they can get into their groove. They can get into their lane. And when a client comes across and says, you know what, this program asked me to do a SWOT analysis. And that was one of the uh, KPIs that we talked about in season one. But this one uh, uh, with, with Susan Antelope, by the way. Hi, Susan, if you're watching. Um, you, you may know what a SWOT is or read the definition of a SWOT, but when you start breaking down a SWOT, you really start realizing how difficult understanding what's internal and external and, and the components of that, just like marketing. Someone says, hey, you need social media marketing. And they're like, okay, where? Do I go to Facebook? Do I go to TikTok? Do I go to Pinterest? Do I go to LinkedIn? Where do I go? There's a specific place to go, depending on your market and who's listening and who's watching you. So same thing with finances. You have to get a financial expert and you'll hear us say that every time. And if you go into Pillar5.com, by all means, we recommend you go to Pillar5.com and do an assessment on your business, find out what life cycle stage you're in, and then take the next part of the assessment that tells you the next step you need to take. What you'll realize when you find out the next step, it may be a financial pillar. And when you figure out that it's a financial pillar, go get a financial expert, go get a consultant. 
there's information to guide you basically through the process, but by no means is that system the doctor. It's no different than the EKG or a heart monitor. It's just telling you your levels are off. Now go get to the doctor. The doctor will prescribe you what you need to do in order to fix that. And that's exactly what we built. And it's so important for business owners to take a look at their financial situation. I mean, even us, we're a growing company. We've been here for five, almost six years now. We're still doubling down on financial experts. We're still adding more financial experts to our team. Why? Because we don't know it all. By no means do we know it all. And we know the best way to build a winning team is to build more people, add more partners. You try to do it all by yourself, it's just not going to work out to your best interest. Yes, it's so true. And having the right partnerships really is everything. Absolutely. 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 So in, in finance, again, uh, uh, and, and I know when we get into season two, we're going to go deeper down a rabbit hole. Um, you know, we'll, we'll bring out a building block. We'll talk about that building block, but then we'll bring in the experts on the show that can break those down and actually give you actionable items to look at. So the first thing I want to make sure that everyone pauses for one moment while we're watching the show, we're about 20 minutes into the show already, but I want to give you something actionable. Go to pillar5.com, take an assessment and identify your life cycle stage, right? Don't be distraught when you figure out that your life cycle stage is seed and you think you're really in a growth stage. Don't be shocked. I think Natalie can actually do <clears> that. <throat> but many business owners go in and they do their assessment and they go, oh, this system is completely wrong. It's a system. It's an algorithm. It's focused on what you're doing and what you're not doing. So it doesn't care about uh, how much money you've generated. And it doesn't care about how long you've been in business. It only cares if you've done the actions necessary to improve your business and to make it sustainable so that you can thrive. So if you can have that answer, then come back next week when you join us on the show. And when you're in the comments, then pick that question and, and, and say something in the comments and we'll be happy to answer it. And we can talk directly to your specific building block, your action step, so we can help you grow every week on the show. Yes, absolutely. So finance and then last being credit. So I know with you guys having your, you know, the background of being in lending, essentially, right? You're giving uh, businesses loans. Um, how did you see that even with the credit or as they were trying to go back and pay? Did they even have any, you know, plan of how to pay back the loans or was it just, hey, we're going to stick, stop the bleeding in these areas with the money because these are our pain spots and just pray for a miracle in the meantime, or hopefully more funding's going to come, or maybe they'll give us an extension or who knows, right? What are, right. What are people's mindsets with that? Well, they definitely didn't have a plan. Um, they, they obviously wanted to pay it back because they were hoping that the infusion of capital into the business would cause their business to grow, would cause them to generate more revenue. And from that revenue, they would be able to pay back the loan. I mean, it's a typical situation um, when someone is borrowing. But what happens is they don't have Michelle uh, uh, Tucker says this best, uh, Sealer Tucker. She says, if you don't have an exit plan when you start, then you don't have a plan to start, right? You, you don't even have a beginning because you don't know how to plan it back. And I think one of the things that um, if, if, if I could take my mindset and go back to the beginning, would I probably would approach the CEO of that organization a little bit different and said, 
How about we give them a financial plan to help them so that they can figure out how to pay it back once they get the funding? Because that would have led to the same five pillars we're talking about today. But that's what happens. People run out and they get funding, but they don't really know where to apply. And sometimes they think they know where to apply and they applied in the wrong area. For example, person gets a $20,000 PPP loan. And they take that money and they pour it all into Facebook marketing. All of it goes right into Facebook marketing. But they don't know if that's where the market's at. They don't know if they're targeting the right people. They don't know if the messaging is clear. Number one, they don't even know if the product and services that they're offering, the market actually wants to pay for it. You know, they may say that, oh, that's a great product and I would love to have it. That doesn't mean I want to pay for it. You know, so it's so different. What would Facebook be if you had to pay for Facebook to get on? Would it still have, you know, billions of users? Probably not. So Mark Zuckerberg obviously figured out a pricing strategy that made sense free so that everybody would get on it. And then once you're in it, I'll learn, I'll sell you in there. So pricing strategy is part of the whole financing model. Like that's part of it. And and when I hear business owners just grab numbers out of the sky and say, well, I'm just going to charge this because so-and-so charges that. It's just it's a it's a haphazard way to build a business, and that shouldn't be the way we build business. Any thoughts on that, Tehran? Yeah, I, mean, I agree, man. Yeah. Agree. yeah, ditto. Yeah, a lot of people we found like kind of like what he's saying. Um, I love that cup. Um, <laughs> can't stop smiling. Um, yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, crying is not going to help. There's no crying in baseball, baby. No. The um. Most people, when they're seeking funding, are seeking to solve a specific problem in their business. But they're not looking at their entire business. It's like a Band-Aid. If I can get this funding, I can do this. Or like Carlton was saying, I can get this software to help get leads in, or I can get this. Whatever it is that they're doing, the funds are allocated before they arrive. And that's why the funding is applied for, for the most part. Just take care of something specifically. Um, and it's that mind frame of not looking at the entire business, because when you look at the entire business, you may say, wait a minute. Yeah, Facebook ads are a good thing and can bring me more attention. But does my entire business need that right now? Or am I just trying to get a certain amount of likes or sales this quarter, this month, this week? Um, so I forget who said it, that sales doesn't solve problems. I'm sorry. Funding doesn't solve problems. Sales solves problems. Mark Cuban, Mark Cuban <clears throat> and sales solves problems because a sale is attached to a process that has just been completed. So if you have a sale, then you have the process that com that was needed to complete that sale. Um, if you just get the money in without the sale, there's no process. There's no system that's been refined. And that's what I think to me, that's one of the biggest great, the biggest takeaways that that situation of just handling funding helped me to understand the biggest takeaway I took away was that it has to be looked at holistically. The stuff that you're not looking at, you have to look at, you know, cause my fool and his money is soon to part. I'll tell you a real quick story. My dad, I think I said this on one of the other shows. I love telling this story. I was about maybe seven or eight years old, walking back to the house from the corner store. With my dad got the railroad tracks in East Orange, New Jersey, right on Dodge street. It was on prospect street, went to cross the tracks. And I wanted these kangaroo sneakers with the zipper on them. I wanted them so bad, I just knew they was going to make me run fast and jump high. <laughs> My dad used to shop at this place called, uh, when it was time for us to get our sneakers for school, 
it was seven of us um he would go to the store called uh, McCrory's. It was downstairs, actually, right? And there were these big bins of all these, we call them cheaper sneakers. They were in the high-end sneakers, $5. <laughs> and um, I used to hate those sneakers, man. My dad was like, listen, man, that's a good sneaker. That's a good sneaker because <laughs> of the price. So anyway, just to let you know how frugal my dad was when it came to that. So I'm bugging about these $30, $40, $50 kangaroo sneakers. And he stopped in his tracks and said to me, do you know what an idiot is with a million dollars? And I said, a millionaire? <laughs> he was like, no, <laughs> a million dollar idiot. And handed me a hundred dollar bill. Now, mind you, mm -hmm. I took off, ran back to the store, packed as many Snickers as I could in my pocket. And never got the science of that lesson for decades later. Money is not going to solve the problem. It's going to enhance whatever it is you already are. You know, it just, it, it just, allows you to be louder, that's it. It doesn't change you, it exposes you. So if we don't have a system in our business and then we get a bunch of funding, we don't automatically get a system in our business. We have to be looking to create a trunk tight, airtight machine. And then when we have access to funding, we'll know exactly where to allocate it to make sure that machine holistically is sturdy, strong, sustainable, scalable, sellable, et cetera, et cetera. What yeah. a great story. It's so true. Yeah. Such a, it's such a great analogy. And even when I'm looking, when I got into finance, that was a big thing for me because I started as a loan processor. And that's one of the things that made me realize the challenge in the area was as a loan processor, when I'm getting that 1003, I'm seeing all their finances, right? Everyone's naked. And it made me realize it didn't matter how much money most people had coming in. Their situations were the same. Your paycheck to paycheck, you're in debt, whatever. It doesn't matter how either you're a good student of your money or you're not. And when people were looking for help, they were looking to the insurance guy over here or the debt solutions person over here. But those people weren't talking to each other. They weren't looking at the big picture of, OK, how do we get everything running properly? Right. How do we have that solid foundation of finances in our home? And so to me, when I hear it, that's why it just makes so much sense to me is everything needs to be looked at just like our cars, right? The engine, the oil, the tires, everything has to be working together for us to have a safe, efficient running vehicle. So, I mean, it makes sense. So we're going to jump into a quick break. We'll be back with founders of ID Systems and Pillar 5 Software, Carlton Hoskins and Tehran Glover. Fill up your drink. We'll be right back. A wise man once asked, what if starting a business was like jumping out of a plane? And like 76% of businesses, what if 76% of parachutes failed before you reached the destination? What about those of you who have already jumped? Well, you may still have time to check your business. Pillar5.com, where businesses get it right. Small businesses are America. For more than 100 years, BBB has stood alongside small businesses. While many things have changed, BBB's steadfast dedication to businesses has not. BBB's consultative business support helps build better business through enhanced online reputation, healthy growth, and ready-to-buy customers. Build better with BBB today. 
Boom. And hey, we're back with the founders of ID Systems and Pillar 5 Software, Carlton Hoskins and Tehran Glover. We are going over the five pillars of business. Make sure you go to pillar5.com and take your free, did I say free, free, free business <laughs> assessment. See where you're at. Take the five minutes, get it done. Take a look, see where you're at. So guys, going back to the five pillars, I know we've been talking about finance and credit. We spent a lot of time on the first three. So we're digging deep into the last two. <laughs> credit. Oh, my gosh. Credit is such a huge component. We learned so much about credit working with the financial institutions. Um, um, I, I can't even begin to, to start unwinding some of the stuff we've learned. Um, I would love to do one. <laughs> I'd love to do a show just on credit because <laughs> there's so much. Um, we learned that there's automated systems inside of banks that when a business owner applies for a loan, there are certain qualifications that that system is already programmed to look for that even the lender themselves don't know what those are. They have no clue. When they get a denial, all they see is the denial and some status reports on why it was denied. Um, you know, not enough income. Uh, uh, you know, credit history too short, things like that is the things that we see. But when you're doing business credit loans, sometimes it's just, you know, you don't qualify. And so you have to go through the pre-approval process before you get to the full process. And many people don't know that. When you go through the pre-approval process, it's looking for key things like this. Do you have a domain name for the business that you're doing? Do you have a phone number that's isolated specifically to the business that you're doing? Do you have a business bank account? Do you have an email address that is specifically to the business that's not personally related to you? Like they go through these little things and there's your address appeal box versus an, they go so far down the rabbit hole with these. And they're so fast. I think there's how many compliance items were there? I think there was 20, uh, there's 20, yeah, 20 compliance items that they look at in less than 30 seconds flat mm -hmm. before they even consider how much revenue, you know, do you have the wherewithal to pay it back? So if those things are missing, they will immediately switch it to a, we need a personal guarantee. So if you're getting that response when you're doing business credit, you need a personal guarantee, that's because you're missing one of those compliance items. And then there's some really interesting things because I've spoken with uh, uh, presidents of bank, Ray David, if you're out there from Point Bank in, in Denton, Texas, hey. Um, but I've talked to Ray and I've talked to many other bankers and, and, and presidents of banks and executives at banks. And I would ask them key questions about these components. And they're like, that's pre-built into the system. I don't know. I don't know that answer. Right. All we know is this, this and this. And for a business owner to understand all of those components, it's very important. And if you don't understand those components, I'm going to get into a subject really quick, but I'm, I'm going to wait, let Tehran jump in. But you need to get support you need to get someone who is an expert at that component or expert at the whole credit because business is not just business credit it's business and personal it typically starts with personal and it moves over to business you can't just start a business and just go i want business credit and so i'm just going to start building business credit because they're going to rely on some of the personal credit to even to get you started even with those net 30s that everyone is pitching oh you can go to office max and you can get a credit card for two thousand dollars blah 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 you know only on your business credit and then you fill out that form and they ask you for your social security number there's a reason they're asking you for your social security number not because they want to know who you are but they want to attach that as a guarantee 
to the business credit that you're getting. So if they're asking you for both numbers, your EIN for your business and your social security, then you know it's a guaranteed attack. If they're only asking for your EIN, that's a different story. But the only way they're going to do that is if they go over to Dun and Bradstreet and they're able to pull your Dun score and your Dun score is satisfactory to them and that you have enough history. So again, you can't do it without the history. And so there's, again, I oh my gosh, I could go so far down this rabbit hole having this conversation. <laughs> but we learned so much about this credit side. Um, it, it just changed my way of looking at business and credit. Um, and so I, I always recommend get an expert. How yeah. are people finding these experts? That's I had somebody leave me this weekend. We're going to call them a Karen. Do they have a, a male name for a Karen? I was, I was wondering that, right? From his blog page, he was like, all you financial advisors are just glorified salespeople. And I was like, you know, I have 20 years experience. I think that right. qualifies for something, right? right, as, right. as you mentioned from my blocked page, as from right. his blocked page, right? But, you know, how do you find those experts? Because reality is, is there is some truth to what he said. I didn't appreciate him uh, stereotyping or, or judging me. I don't consider myself in that same category, but there is some truth to that. So how do you find that expert? Mm. Uh, I would I would say you do that. You'd find that expert like if I was looking for a doctor. No different because we look at business experts as business doctors. So if you want to go to a doctor when you walk into his office, it's half baked. The office is nasty. There's stuff on the floor. The, 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 the reception that is at the desk can't find one customer from the other. She doesn't know what your appointment was. Uh, she think you booked but don't remember her processes and her systems are out of whack. You don't get a reminder for your appointments. The doctor's sitting in the back and he's sipping on a bottle of alcohol before he takes your blood pressure. Like anything that would make you go, oh no, I wouldn't put my parents or my children to that doctor. Just think about it that way. Your business is your baby. So the same way you take care of finding a doctor, a pediatrician for your child, you take care of finding the experts for your business. You may go through a hundred of them. We have a team of eight people over at I Do Systems. We went through a lot of people to get the experts that we have on our team, right? And and in the past, we've had experts come in and we have experts go. That doesn't mean they're not experts, right? But everything, everything has to align. And patience. Patience is such the key. The, and, and I don't want to say the universe will deliver to you what it's delivered to me because I don't know how you're faring in the universe. All I know is if you put out what you're trying to do and you're really truly trying to solve a problem, people who are interested in solving those problems will be happy to join your team. Really fast, really easy. And in some cases, Natalie Esman, they have more energy on some of the things that you're working on that you have energy to work on, right? And that's so true. Um, so if I'm looking for an expert on credit, I'm gonna go find someone like Natalie, like you said, that has 20 years experience that can show me a track record of the people they help. That doesn't mind giving me the references of the people that they work with. So I can contact them and say, how did they do? How did they help you? How much did it improve your business? And if the only thing they wanna talk about is how much they're gonna charge you and where you're gonna pay them and how you're gonna pay them, run away as fast as you can because they're not helping you. They're not trying to help you. They're trying to get a paycheck from you. That's it. Right. Yeah, I, I would say also, um, I, I know this is a biased statement, but. When, you, when you're looking at any <clears throat> uh, professional assistance, you 
know, a consultant. Um, let me not, let me say for finances. When you're looking for advice, professional advice. There's a difference in a consultant and a coach. Now, I'm not saying to actually get a coach just because you want to get financial advice, but you want to make sure that they're that not only you're coachable, but they can coach, even if they are a consultant. If that makes sense. Um, Colette Porter was on our show, and she spoke about qualifying the advisors that you have. Mm. And you actually spoke about that too, Natalie. How it's good that a person has, uh, you know, financial background, but make sure that they understand more than just what you're asking them about, so they can give you again a holistic view of what it is you need. And I say that because we are in a commerce-driven society. If you say I'm looking for financial expertise through Alexa, Google, and whatever, you'll start seeing ads on your phone and on your laptop <laughs> just by talking about it. You know, there is an algorithm that already exists like that. We're kind of catching up to it. And but but if everybody's saying, you know, the weirdest thing happened to me the other day. If if seven billion people are saying that, it's not a weird thing. That's probably an algorithm you don't understand. So this same thing happens to everybody. Everybody experiences it. Um, so again, then you want to just double down and go inside of that. Once you do get that person that or company that pops up and make sure you're looking for someone who can, when I say coach, that cares about the whole reason you're asking for their help. You know, if you're asking for credit help specifically, well, that person you're talking to should care or ha ask you questions about how that credit is going to affect your entire business, not just get your score up. And those are like little identifiers about somebody who cares or not. Mm. You know, the whole Solomon story makes you think that's just cut the baby in half. It's like, no, 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 you can give it away. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, it's not that serious. Whereas a consultant or a salesperson can care less whether you're sustainable than this credit move that you're making, that you're paying is worth, worth your time. I'm about to make me a sale because this is what I do. I just spent $2,000 on Facebook ads to get your attention. So, you know, we just have to understand that we're in the e-commerce world. So vetting, 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 vetting is something that never, ever stops as an entrepreneur, especially when you're building your team, especially when you're getting advisors. Life is an interview. You are constantly interviewing people, whether they know it or not. And people are constantly interviewing you, whether you know it or not. <laughs> when you meet somebody, we're, we're, we're interviewing them. We're, we're, it's, it's such a weird stage that we're in, you know. But um, just always looking to make sure you have somebody who's looking out for the best, best interest. Absolutely. Yeah. Good morning, Shay. Good morning. Oh, so let, let's talk about this done score or paid X score. Paid. And a anytime that I go into this conversation, I love to make sure that I'm leaning on the facts. And I'd rather reach over to Google and say, let me give you the answer for the definition as provided by the experts. Right. And then we can get into how do we go about getting it. So the paid score is a business credit score that's generated by Dun & Bradstreet. Their model analyzes business payment performance if it pays its bills on time. And it gives you a numerical score from one to 100, which signifies 100 signify a perfect payment history. Right. So if you have 100, then obviously you have a super score. If you have an 80 paid score, you know, just kind of think about it. You're like your own personal credit score. 400 credit score is horrible, right? 800 credit score is at the top. So just kind of look at it like 80 and 40, right? 80, you're closer to the top of it. You're probably in the 800s. That is solely based on what the business is doing. 
And the way that you can improve your paydex score is if you're if you're a business owner and you have vendors and you're paying for services, when you pay for those services, you can report that to Dun & Bradstreet. Business credit is different than personal credit. Personal credit, you can't report your own. Well, let me clear up. I know Joe Biden is doing some things right now with the credit bureaus and they're making some changes in their policies that allows you to report your electric bill and your water bill. And now it's going to help you improve your credit score. Yeah. Well, that's been going on for ages with businesses. If you have a business and you're paying for bills through your business, you can take those bills, you can put them together and you could send them over to Dun & Bradstreet and they will add that to your score. The way they do that is that they contact the vendor that's providing you the service and they verify that you paid these on time. And if they say, yes, they paid them, then they go, okay. And they put it on your score. There's a lot deeper information to that. Again, we are not the know-it-alls, right? We just know enough to get you in the right direction so that you can get to the experts. Having a Duns number is absolutely free. You can go to Duns and Bradstreet's and get a free Duns number right now today. Just go to Dun. What is it? Um, here, let me let me do something nice. Go to dnb.com. Uh, here we go. I'm gonna put it right in there. Go to dnb.com to get your free Duns number. Okay, so we're gonna let you do that. I'm gonna throw that in the chat. Okay, awesome. Um, now that you can go there and get your free Duns number, again. Get with your credit experts. It is super important to have experts around you. Tehran was talking about coaches and consultants. Here's the thing. When you have a coach, your coach is going to say, oh, yeah, you need a DUNS number. You're going to say, well, go get me a DUNS number. And they're going to go, that's not what I do. I'm a coach. I'm telling you where the answers are. I'm showing you. I'm giving you the guidelines of how to go get that stuff. And I can advise you on doing those things. Building your Dun & Bradstreet number is really not that complicated. Um, if you're doing the paperwork, you can do it yourself. You can give it to your virtual assistant. Uh, your financial team can help you with that. The, all they're doing is collecting the receipts that you've paid your invoices and you're sending it over. Dun & Bradstreet tells you clearly what they want in order to do it. So you don't have to guess. You don't have to go to Google. You don't have to YouTube it. Just go to Dun & Bradstreet. You can call. In fact, the moment you do it, Dun & Bradstreet's going to call you. One of the representatives is going to call you. And here's what they're going to do. So I can give you the heads up. They're going to try to sell you on a Dun & Bradstreet service that you have to pay monthly for, and you don't need it. Very clearly, you don't need it, right? You need to get your Dun's number. And then as you do your research on your Dun's number, you will determine whether or not you want to pay for the service that allows you to add your credit. Because if, you don't, if you're not paying for anything through your business today, and you're not building that credit with your existing uh, vendors, per se, um, then you have nothing to put on the report. That means you have no need to pay for a monthly subscription. So when you talk to Dun & Bradstreet, again, like Tehran said last week, when you walk into the bank, don't be afraid when you're opening a bank account. They're taking your money. You're not taking their money. So you need to qualify them. They're not qualifying you. And if you feel yourself in a switch and bait role, walk away really mm -hmm. easy. Um, Stay away from these programs that say, oh, we'll get you a business credit score, FICA score, or PX score, 80, 83, you know, by doing this magical thing. There's no magic. There's no magic. You know, they're, they're probably going to report something that you didn't pay for in order to falsely build up your score. And it's not going to help you because it, it just doesn't work that way. It's a very serious thing. If you do it the right way, yeah, you could use it for your business. 
But then you have to ask yourself, why does your business need credit? What are you buying for? What are you buying in your business that requires credit? Right. If you're running a SaaS company like we are, well, there's all kinds of services that we pay for. But do we need credit to pay for those services? Does it make sense to pay an interest rate on money if I can take that same money and invest it and generate a higher return on my money? Like this is where we start talking to Natalie Esman. Like, are we being smart with our money? Is it just an opportunity to say, oh, I have a score? Right. Or, or is there really an underlining purpose? So there should be a plan for it, not just I want one. What's the plan? What are you going to do with it? How does it benefit your organization? How does it help you grow? What is the protection of this growth? Can you measure it? If you can measure it, then by all means, go for it. And then if it doesn't meet your metrics in six to eight months, then you take it away. Yeah, is it an asset or an expense to your business? Absolutely. Yeah, I like what you're saying, uh, Champion, because everything you're just saying actually falls into the line that actually that Sherry and Michelle Tucker uh, Sharon Lecter and Michelle Tucker um, um, go into that book, Exiting Rich, Beginning with the End in Mind. All of the all of the jargon that you're talking though does make what may seem like a ramble to someone who doesn't look that deeply into their business. This is what happens in your mind when you begin with the with the end in mind. This is what happens when you have an exit strategy. You know, this is what happens when you you understand why you're getting things. You're not necessarily trying to not spend money. You're looking for creative ways to spend money. If you're building credit through that, I mean, it's just a totally different experience with finances versus the sole consumerism. And that's it. There's so many other ways that that resource can be leveraged in our lives, especially inside of businesses. But again, those of, that type of information comes from sitting with the experts and really getting information downloaded versus, you know, just spewing stuff you already know. That. Talk, to, talk to Natalie, any entrepreneur watching. Have a 30 minute call with Natalie. Guarantee you're going to think of everything that you're doing differently. And you'll have a trajectory. You're like, wow, I can I didn't think of that. I didn't think these aha high epiphanies are what does it for me in life. There's nothing that compares to them. Absolutely. You know, Tehran, yeah. as you say that, it, it makes me think about uh Natalie. Just this week, Tehran and I both went to real estate auctions. Um, he went to one in Georgia and I went to one in Houston. Uh, so we both traveled about four to six hours away from where our current location is to attend these auctions. Um, and it was about helping uh, w w helping this organization provide funding to these investors. Uh, the funny thing is the new investors, I'm gonna keep this really short, the new investors who didn't have any assets yet, who were just learning, who were just wanting to get started, understood the value of leveraging money they didn't have. They mm -hmm. completely understood that. And they were interested in everything that was being said. The seasoned investors, who have two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars cash and some checks and certificates in their pocket, were like, "Oh, I don't need it. I, I don't need more money." Okay. Understanding leveraging is so important, and when you look at your business, it's the same thing. Leveraging is key. If you can take a hundred dollars, leverage it into a thousand dollars, and then invest a thousand dollars and make twelve percent on a thousand dollars, you make way more money than you would if you just invested your $100, right? In fact, you've made 120% on your original money. In fact, right? Where if you didn't, you would have only made $12 on your money. And for some reason, people who have money are under this false guise that I don't need no one else's money. I don't need to leverage. Well, the same thing applies to business. 
You can leverage your assets and businesses if you want to grow your business. You, there's insurance policies that are relevant. There's business owners. Tehran and I were having a very deep conversation that like we we're going to have this conversation with you offline. But the, a business owner starts their business and they create this fictional. They, they, they say the number of shares they have. This is how many shares I have. I have 10 million shares in my LLC. I'm the only member of my LLC. I don't have any assets. I pay $300. I started my business. What do I have? I have 10 million in shares. How much are they worth? No. They have no value, right? No value. How do you get value for your business? How can you leverage that? What can you leverage? You can't leverage anything. Well, Tehran and I are secretly formulating a way to where a person can go to Natalie and say, hey, Natalie, we have 10 million shares. I'm the valuable person of the organization. I am a key person. So I want key insurance for me as the leader of this organization, because if I fail, then the business falls, right? Now I can get an insurance policy or the business can get an insurance policy against me. And now I can use that insurance policy to collateralize the leverage side of my share. Wait a minute. Hold on. How'd you do that? Okay. Well, if you're not thinking again, as Tehran and Ali says, with the end in mind, and you're not thinking outside of the day-to-day -day operations and the whirlwind of, you know, I have to run to the post office. Oh, I have to do this accounting. I got to do this ledger. I got to do this. I gotta, you know, and we busy ourselves with all of this mundane garbage um, that we can find and actually put on to someone else through virtual assistance, automating our processes, streamlining our processes. Then we can focus on the big battle in our business. And that's growing our business so that it thrives. No one got in business to fail. And if you did, please raise your hand because I want to know who you are. <laughs> okay. Because no, no one gets a business to fail. Everybody gets in business and they have these dreams of, you know, waking up when they want to and going on vacation when they want to and getting on a yacht when they want to, whatever those dreams are. But what happens is a year after getting into this dream, they realize there's more work to it. And many walk away and then some just don't know how to move forward. So they kind of get stuck because they don't want to be a quitter. So they just keep running this business that's not growing, you know, or they try all these things that they find on YouTube. And then, you know, they end up on Shark Tank and Mark Cuban says his famous words. You're not ready. You don't even have a clue what you're doing. You're not ready. Go away. Come back next time. You know, um, so this is the mindset that, that, that we're talking about. When you're building your business, you have to look at sustainability. And it's an important component. Yeah, and I'll I'll tell you, good answer, good answer, Mr. Soto. There, <laughs> we should chat though. Anyway, we should chat. Um, but sorry, I forgot what I was going to say. But oh, just thinking about when we had Sharon and Michelle on the show, you know, I'm a systems person. That's everything to me because it makes me feel secure as an entrepreneur. So as soon as I go into any endeavor, that's where I start is with the foundation. And so I thought I was really. Um, building a solid foundation for my business. And then so after going through the software, reading the book, spending time with Sharon and Michelle, I realized I'd completely missed the mark on it. And so if that's a focus for me, thinking I'm building a sustainable business on a strong foundation, I know that for most people, it's just there's nothing there. There's no foundation. And then thinking about just even with which we talked about this on season one of the show, which is I'm part of BNI, which for me was one of the smartest decisions I ever made for me in, in business. I'm not saying that that is for everybody, but what I love is 
I never wanted to know everything. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to specialize in everything, but I want to have those right people around me. Right. So if I have any challenges with anything in my business, I have those six, seven, eight people that I need right there personal relationships with me. If three of us need to get there, get together because those areas apply to my business, I have access to them right there. We get together, we talk about what's the solution, what's my next step, and that's what's creating that sustainability to where I know I can sell my business in 20 years and exit rich, right? Where before it was really never even a thought of how do I do that? So mm. huge difference even going through this now with Sharon and Michelle. Absolutely. You know, and I and I want to say something really quick because Tate, you, you asked a question and, and I didn't answer on it. I got lost in the tangent of financing. Um, you asked Tavron, okay, so how do I find the credit experts or the financial experts or any of these experts, right? Um, number one, I want to say is rethink the whole business model. I, I would like every business owner who's watching and listening Take a moment, get a cup of coffee, go outside, sit down, enjoy the weather for just about 30, for about a minute or two and rethink the structure. When you think about building your executive team, rather than thinking of all these acronyms that you see all over the place, chief marketing officer, chief financial officer, chief, chief executive officer, chief this officer, chief that officer, think about the five pillars. Think about the five pillars of business, infrastructure, typically your legal side. That means I need someone in my legal department. Management. I need someone in chief management. That's normally your chief executive or chief operations, chief marketing officer, chief financial officer. Most businesses don't have a chief credit officer. If you can get those five experts on your team, you've got all five pillars rounded out and then they can build and help you uh, uh, mitigate the work that's inside of all of those pillars. So if there's any niche down inside of marketing or finance, they can at least guide you through the right bringing on more people or getting the right service providers. One other thing you said is, how do you find those people? Where do you find these experts? I'm always going to say, go to your network. Go to your network. There's someone in your network that knows someone that you don't know, you know, that can help you. Maybe there's someone you know that you don't even realize can help you because you never asked the question. Right. They may be in marketing, but the moment you start having a conversation, this happened with Tehran and I. We had someone on our team that was in our chief marketing position. And then when it was time to start doing arts and graphics, well, arts and graphics, we realized he was really an artist. His position should have been arts, the art director and not marketing. Does he know marketing? Yes. But is that his expertise? No. His expertise was art. Oh, OK. So if you start looking around your circle, that's what you want to do. And, and ask your people in your circle, hey, do you know a chief financial officer? Hey, do you know anyone in financing that is looking to work with a startup? That's you'll be surprised on how many people, once they hear what your mission and vision is, will raise their hand and say, I want to be a part of what you're doing. Uh, and I'm not telling you theory. That's how we built our entire team. Absolutely. And continue, to <laughs> and we continue to build it the same exact way. The science doesn't go away. It's absolutely it's as true and steady and sound as the universal law itself. Three lefts get you right there. Awesome. Absolutely. All right. Well, great morning with the founders of ID Systems and Pillar 5 Software, Carlton Hoskins and Tehran Glover. We're going to be finishing up today's show, but thank you so much for really just the deep dive into the software and what it does to help business owners. And um, 
just the crusade that you have for making the difference and continuing the legacy of right, the American dream of having that sustainable business. So just appreciate you both and really excited to have you on the show and what you're doing. So thank you so much. Thank you, lady. Thank you. Thanks, Natalie. <laughs> thank you, Jamie. <laughs> Your goal is simple, to help you achieve the dream and vision you first had when you thought about starting a business. We're here to make growing your business less complicated. There are building blocks to build a sustainable business. We promise to seek them out and address them all. The Better Your Business Show starts now.